ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 327th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. The new beats you hear are courtesy of DJ Magic, youngest let better in the house, our DJ, DJ Magic with the beats. So we're going to title this episode, Falcons Offseason Program. They open today at Flowery Branch, Georgia. We didn't get to see the defense. We did get to see the offense on the field. And there are some changes, a uh, couple things that uh, we noticed. You know, it's a lot of new players, a lot of new players out there. Didn't get to see A.J. on the field, but A.J. Terrell did come to speak to the media. It's, uh, you know, it's always kind of the flip of the page of the offseason. Uh, you know, for the fans, it's the draft. But for the former players, it's coming back into the building, getting stretched out, working out. You know, they go through stages, according to the CBA. It's not as bad as it used to be. Uh, this period, you don't have even a football on the field and uh, no coaches and so forth. So it's really just, you know, kind of easing those professional bodies back into shape. A lot of stretching, a lot of agility drills. And Thomas Stallworth, the head trainer, was out there putting them through the paces today. For the 20-plus minutes, we were able to stay out there and see the offensive players. It was a little different. Some people that have been there for a long time were not there today. And so we asked A.J. Terrell how this first day back felt. First day was good. Definitely important. Just trying to, uh, you're seeing a lot of new faces and everybody just trying to build chemistry leading up to, you know, our phase two going in. So everything was good. One noticeable absence for sure, Grady Jarrett. He's set to go into his last year of his contract. And Corderell Patterson, who, uh, you know, did resign uh, with the team this year. Now, the Grady situation is one to keep an eye on. They don't want to overpay him. It makes sense because they just got out of Matt Ryan's contract. Last thing they want to do is get back into a situation where they got this bloated contract. They can extend him and lower his salary cap number for this year. But, you know, he, he wants to... You know, looking at the DeForest Buckner deal, looking at the Aaron Donalds deal, you know. Um, so it might be beneficial for Grady to play this year and get to the open market. So if the Falcons don't meet his number, I'm sure he'll come in and play. Missing the first day of OTA is nothing to get alarmed about. But, um, you know, if you are in a, the last year of your contract, they don't want to do an extension, hey, play the year, uh, hit the open market, break the bank. That's the way uh, all these receivers are doing it this year. Uh, the receiver market is going just crazy. So the Falcons don't have to worry about that. They don't have any big-time receivers other than when the tight end gets to come up. But, you know, these numbers that used to be $12 million, $10 million, uh, and so forth are now $25 million. Andrew Brandt was on uh, SiriusXM today. Former Green Bay Packer executive, contract negotiator, former uh, former uh, agent from Stanford. And he's saying the new motto is, hey, 
develop the receiver. When it's time to pay him, trade him. Let somebody else pay him. That's what the Chiefs did with Tyreek Hill. Going to see A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf talking about deals. You know, if you want to spend, if you don't want to put that $25 million on the receiver, then let him go. And, you know, it's going to be some more receivers coming through. That's the, uh, you know, the way of thinking there is that the high schools are playing 7 on 7. They don't even get under center anymore. They're throwing uh, the ball around, uh, uh, so forth and so on, that, hey, you can restock at that position certainly a lot quicker than you can at quarterback. But, hey, you know, develop them, use the benefits of the CBA the first four to five years, and then um, don't get yourself in a bond by overpaying at the wide receiver position. Now, Grady and Corderell were not there uh, that was supposed to be there, but somebody else wasn't there that um, had been there for the last 14 years. So what about all the guys who are missing including Matt Ryan, who's not there today. I just got so many new faces. Um, I wasn't even really focused on any of that. Um, but, you know, they, those guys that we that are going now definitely will be missed. But um, they all helped set the platform of what we got now to carry on the legacy of the Falcons. So we good. It's definitely surreal. I mean, obviously my entire career here, he's been the guy. And, you know, as we all know, he's you know, moved on now. But, um, you know, nothing but respect for him. And he was a hell of a leader. And, you know, it's exciting too what we got going on here. I'm really optimistic about what's going on and um, the thing we're building, and we, we have high expectations for ourselves. There's no doubt. Well, that was Jake Matthews, the Falcons' left tackle, starting left tackle since the uh, 2014 season. He took over when Sam Baker went down and started 128 games since his rookie year. And it was a little surreal not having Matt Ryan on the field for the first time since 2008. But his uh, pending replacement, Marcus Mariota, was present and running with the offense out there in their drills on Tuesday. So off and running. The offseason's in earnest. You know, we got the OTAs coming up in May and June. We'll have some access uh, one time a week. We'll get to talk to the assistant coaches Gabriel Burns from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution was out there to help today. He'll be helping over the summer and in the season also. So I might get to maybe make a couple of those OTAs. But I like to go when the coaches are speaking too. And uh, then you got the mandatory mini camp, uh, rookie mini camp. I don't remember the date on that. I think it's 14th through the 16th on the mandatory mini camp in June. So, hey, the Falcons are rebuilding despite whatever you hear. And now they're underway. That rebuilding process is underway. So today we're going to discuss a couple other uh, issues here that uh, are near and dear to our hearts here at the NFL scouting combine there were five players from the historically black colleges and universities we interviewed two of them Joshua Williams from Fairville State and Marquise Bell from Florida A&M but it was five there last year no HBCU players were drafted and some of the coaches were upset about that Deion Sanders was not happy with the NFL teams that did not come to Jackson State's Pro Day this year. I don't have any Jackson State guys on my list, but, hey, Coach Prime says come. You should probably send somebody there. You got a staff of 15, 25 scouts. So, but uh, they has 22 of 32 teams with the Jackson State's Pro Day. But, uh, you know, some of the HBCU players that might get drafted, 
Let me go down to my list here. Uh, so we, we're going to deal with that in the Cover 9 at 9 blog this week. They are Southern offensive lineman J. Tyree Carter, South Carolina State cornerback. He's going by Kobe Durant now, but we knew him as D. Kobe when he was playing in the Celebration Bowl here in Atlanta. So I went D. Kobe, although the NFL.com spelling has that Kobe. Maybe he dropped the D at some point. But anyway, Fayetteville State cornerback Joshua Williams, real sharp kid. Talked to him at length. 6'3", 195-pound corner. Florida A&M safety Marquise Bell. Those are the five that were at the combine. One of the other people that is of interest is Akil Glass. He passed for like 1,200 yards at Alabama Alabama A and I, I always hesitate because I don't, I can't. You can't mess up A and M and State. You know, you have a, that's like Auburn and Alabama over there. They get upset, but yeah, he's A and M. So he passed for twelve thousand yards, one hundred nine touchdowns, and somebody might take a flyer on him. But Akil Glass, two-time SWAC Offensive Player of the Year, history's saying that they're not going to draft a quarterback from a HBCU. The last quarterback drafted from HBCU was Traveris Jackson in the second round of the 2016, 2006 draft. I'm sorry, 2006. Just do the math. That's 16 years ago. Traveris Jackson, he was uh, with the Vikings, had a, a long career, was a backup, got uh, passed away early in an auto accident over there in Alabama. But those are the main names you might hear. We, we talked to Mel Kuyper last week, and here's what he had to say about Durant. Uh, I'll give you a little bit on a quote here from him. Joshua Williams, with the length he has, when he fills out, he could be that third to fifth round decision. I think day three, more so fourth or fifth, is when I think Todd McShay and I are going to be talking about Kobe Durant and Joshua Williams. I think more in the fourth, fifth round area. A little raw. I gave a slight edge to Durant of the two, but I like them both. Okay, we didn't ask him about Bell, but Bell is a big kid, 6'2, 212, ran the 40 and 4.1 seconds at the combine. Should have a chance to get drafted also. Williams was his story was interesting. Native of Fayetteville, North Carolina, overlooked coming out of high school. Because I mean, he's, if he's 195 now, he probably was 175 then. Just a tall, skinny kid. They ended up sending him to a prep school. And Coach Richard Hayes, he credits Coach Hayes with developing him and, you know, coaching him pretty hard down there at Fayetteville State. Those are the Broncos in the Division II ranks. So. Those are a couple of guys. Bell was interesting because he was funny. He started, he started his career out at Coffeeville Community College. I know a lot of the old timers know Coffeeville. They were one of the big JUCOs before Last Chance U and all that, and uh, turned out a lot of players in the old Big Eight and uh, Big Ten uh, when they you know started taking JUCOs. But Coffeeville is one of the name JUCOs across the country out in Kansas, and he said. <laughs> When he got out there, it was nothing but corn and cows everywhere. It was eye-opener for a kid from New Jersey. But like I said, he's 6'2". Haven't heard a lot of buzz about him post-combat, but the 441. That might be, you know, one of the strategies to, uh, you know, get the HBCU players in as undrafted. But he's certainly got the measurables and the numbers. 
as does Williams, as does Kobe, and a few other players here that did pretty good in the ramp up to the draft, but we're not hearing a lot about them. Virginia State cornerback Will Adams, Alabama State running back Ezra Gray, North Carolina A&T running back Jermaine Martin, Florida A&M guard Keenan Forbes, and Southern wide receiver Marquise McClain. So HBCUs have historically, um, you know, uh, when you do the study of them, going back to Tank Younger, you know, going back to the Eddie Robinson days, you know, when a lot of the players, that was the only schools they can go to, those players were good enough to come right into the NFL. The Steelers 72 championship team has 16 players from HBCUs, you know, Stallworth, Donnie Shell from South Carolina State. So, you know, there's a tradition of HBCU players making it to the NFL. Now, you know, with the integration, a lot of the best players aren't weren't going to the HBCUs, but now you're seeing some of them returning. So, you know, the NFL, they're looking for talent, really could be looking for coaches too, since they've been having trouble hiring them. Uh, they have a built-in pipeline, and the Pittsburgh Steelers used it to build a dynasty in the 70s. Now, in the free agency era and the massive recruiting era now, you don't see that anymore. Wanted to do a little bit on the HBCU prospects before we move forward. And, you know, we still got the draft coming up. And wanted to just, we're, ooh, me and Gabe, we're, I think all our stories are in. All we have left are the safeties and the special teams players. Those stories are in. And they'll be the last two of 10 installments of our position by position series where we looked at different topics. When we got the defense, it's a whole lot of Georgia. Uh, the defensive line was about Trayvon Walker, Nate Davis, and Devontae Wyatt. We got to the linebackers. Nicobe Dean sound like he might drop out of the first round. His folks are fighting about his short, short arms. And that Quay Walker might be better than him. And Channing Tyndale is also going to go. So, you know, a lot of linebackers. Then we get to the cornerbacks. Uh, you know, we we look at that field. It's a lot of sauce Gardner out of uh, UC. The safeties, I did those. That's Kyle Hamilton, Lewis Seen, Jaquan Brisker, and that group. And then I found a gem in the special teams work. Marcus Jones, the corner from Houston. He's got nine touchdowns on return. So he's a top returner. He could play slot corner. Uh, look for him to go in the third round, according to, to our, our buddy Mel Kuyper over there. But Marcus Jones. Now, I thought Jake Camardi was a top punter going in. I think I still gave it to him. But uh, the reason kid out of San Diego State's got a big leg. Boomed a lot of 60 and 50 yarders. And, you know, it was only one kicker that got drafted last year. Evan McPherson went to the Bengals, helped them get to the Super Bowl. And then the one punter, of course, that was Presley Harvin from Georgia Tech, who went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, got to get ready for the draft this week. It's all online, AJC.com, position by position. You got 10 players at 10 positions. You got the first 100 players. You know, at least 90 of 100 because the special teamers might not be in that group just because they don't uh, draft well. Then we got a list of the best of the rest. So and those are at least five players deep. So you, you're going to have, you got, you know, 150 of the first 300 folks to study on AJC.com in our position by position series. So with that, 
here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We're going to take a break. This is the Bowtie Chronicles podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution back here in the 327th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. This one's titled The Falcons Offseason Program, but we're still pointing toward the draft. You want to be ready next Thursday when everything gets underway? It kind of starts slow with that first round they just draw out. You know, I'm old school when the draft was one day, and this whole three-day draft thing is crazy, but I'm used to it now. So that Thursday night, you know, they 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 got the eighth pick. I haven't figured out the time. It's probably going to be 9.30-ish because they got a, a certain amount of time that they have to have the picks in. This close, I'm not expecting a, a lot more movement. We had a lot of movement early in the first round. But let's go over their draft order, and the key point of this draft is that they have five picks in the top 100. Now, given their rebuilding, would not be surprised if they traded that pick and went back. And amass picks. This is supposed to be a deep draft in a lot of key areas for them that they can get better on in this draft. But sitting at eight in our last mock draft, we still had them taking Garrett Wilson. We'll have the final one later this week, be in the paper on Sunday. Unless we hear something differently, we'll stay there for now is where I'm thinking. But the first round, they pick eighth overall. And then the second round, they pick 43rd overall. And here's the Julio Jones picture. Get your Julio Jones and Matt Ryan picks in the same draft and an Alex Mack pick. So that's how you get to nine. Uh, you lost your seventh round pick with Lee Smith trade last year. So second round, 58th overall. That's the Julio Jones from the Titans pick. Third round, 74th overall. That's the Falcons pick. Then the second third round pick is 82nd from the Colts. So those are those top five picks in the top 100. Five picks in the top 100. Now, that's key. We mentioned here a couple weeks back that the getting study, you know, they are longtime scouts, and Bill Polian swears by them is that, hey, um, you get 70% of your starters in the first three rounds. 70% of your starters in the first three rounds. And so, you know, you can just go back and look at the last few drafts. How many starters did the Falcons get in the first three rounds? It's not this regime's fault, but, you know, something happened. Dimitrov and his guys were doing pretty good. Then um, they started doing this collaboration thing. And, uh, you know, you need one person that runs the draft. You got to hit in those first three rounds. You got these people scouting the players all year round. Listen to them. Yeah, 
And he talked to me about, you know, coaches messing it up. If a coach is against a guy, once he gets in the building, it's not going to work. I think he was referencing Rasheed Hegman and, and Brian Cox because that never did work. I just think Brian was coaching them real hard, and the kid probably couldn't take it. But once you get everybody bought in on the players, then you got to give them every opportunity to succeed. But once you know that they can't do it, you got to move on. And that was a problem. They weren't moving on fast enough from a Duke Riley, even though that they moved pretty quick off of that one. John Harlow probably never should have been in the building. He never got on the field. Fourth-round pick. Jalen Collins, he could play, but, you know, you didn't know what was inside his head. You know, second-round pick that went wrong. So pay attention to these first three rounds on Thursday and Friday. Those are the key picks. Now in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round, you're just trying to get lucky. You know, a lot of the good people do. I remember Dorsey Levens was a fifth-round pick by the Packers. Antonio Freeman was a third. Robert Brooks was back there. You know, Russell Gage was a sixth. Foy Ulicon was a sixth. So, you know, if you can if you can hit early and score late, you're going to be winning in the draft game. So uh, the fourth round pick for the Falcons, the first one is uh, 114th overall. So that's not too far out of the out of the top 100. And then 151, you just start drafting people that you think can help. I would draft the biggest, baddest uh, defensive end in the fifth, sixth, and we're both of the six rounds. That's called stacking a position where you're trying to get better at that position. So you just stack as many players there and hope the competition pushes it over the top. Seeing that at cornerback a lot. But fifth round pick, 151 overall. Sixth round pick, 190th overall. And the sixth round pick, a comp pick from AMAC, Alex Mack. It was uh, 213th overall, and there's no seventh-round pick. No seventh-round pick for the Falcons. So hopefully we can get you ready here for the draft. It's coming to be here before you know it, and it's always an exciting time. It's in Vegas. Everybody keeps asking me, are you going to Vegas? Are you going to Vegas? That's the last place I want to be during the draft because um, the players are here. And uh, they bring, they'll bring the first-round pick in and probably have some focus issues in Vegas. So we're not going to do that. But let's get back to some Falcons action. We heard from A.J. Terrell today. It's a ton of new faces out there. I mean, our cameraman was out there, and um, they didn't have numbers on. I said, I will try to help you ID some of these guys. And uh, we had a picture up of Damian Williams for like 15 minutes, and I was like, he kept saying, is that Mike Davis? I was like, no, that's not Mike Davis. <laughs> He's like, who is that? I was like, I don't know. Then it hit me. I was like, hey, that's Damian Williams. So there are a ton of new faces uh, on both sides of the ball. There's a bunch on the secondary. And uh, A.J. Terrell said he's looking forward to connecting with one of those new faces, Casey Hayward. Uh, I'm definitely excited to, uh, you know, play alongside with him. Um, just the the – the knowledge and everything he has on um, me being a young player and being able to, you know what I mean, take get up under his wings, ask questions, know about the game of football, knowing about little things, going into games and, you know what I mean, just being able to pick his brain and then also just being able to vibe with him outside of football. You know, like I said before, we got the same agent, so it ain't my first time meeting him. Just at a more personal level, it's better for me. Yeah, no question about it. Um, their agent is David Mulagetta, who got 
Deshaun Watson, the big payday in Cleveland. So, you know, he's been dealing with the Falcons a lot this offseason when Arthur Blank threw the team into the uh, Deshaun Watson Derby. One other big thing, too, a big note of the offseason is they're revamping the secondary, which, you know, they tried last year, and, you know, it's going to be a reconstruction project for a while. But a couple guys that played over 1,000 snaps last year, Deron Harmon, he played all 17 games, over 1,000 snaps, 95%. And Fabian Monroe, who started at right cornerback for 16 games, over 1,000 snaps, 92% of the snaps. Both of those guys are gone, and Hayward's going to probably take over for Monroe. And Richie Grant is probably going to get the first shot at Harmon's spot. And if he messes it up, Eric Harris was signed as insurance. So it was early, but it was worth asking AJ about it. Hey, how do you all plan to replace Harmon and Moreau? Like I've been saying, just every winning day, just going in each day right now and um, taking notes, um, building chemistry in the back end. And uh, it all it all just come together. I don't really know how to how to say it, but just time, time to do that. And um, when we get out there on the field, be able to communicate, talk with each other, um, get the ball rolling quick. Yeah, he wants to get the ball rolling quick. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's an upgrade. Uh, Casey Hayward, he's 32. We all know him. He's from Perry, middle Georgia kid, went to Vandy, got drafted by the Packers. Didn't work out for him up there so well. He went to San Diego and salvaged his career, turned into a pro bowler. Uh, then he's been had a couple more stops since then, was with the Raiders last year, and now he's getting a chance to start here in Atlanta at right cornerback and maybe show some of these young guys how to do it. If he can't keep going on, he can maybe teach these other guys how to do it at the cornerback position. So as far as the uh, draft next week, it popped up in my mind, like, hey, A.J. Terrell played with Malik Willis. They were all at Westlake together. Then the coach left. Malik and his folks went and left and went to Roswell. But Terrell stayed and helped his Westlake team get to the playoffs. Also, he's buddies with Andrew Booth, the second-rated cornerback, depending on who you want to talk to, second or third, Andrew Booth out of Clemson. So we asked AJ to help us with a little bit of pre-draft preview of Malik Willis and Andrew Booth Jr. Me just knowing Malik, I already I know he a competitor. Like everything he did at Liberty, I'm not surprised because I just know what he what what he what type of player he was. And I wish you know what I mean <laughs> Auburn using the right way, but Booth Booth, Booth definitely. Uh, is a complete corner. You know, I mean, he can tackle, got great ball skills, uh, know how to pick up on the uh, plays quick. And um, just to compare, they both got good mental skills, you know what I mean, know how to, know how to fight through adversity, and they both just winners. Well, that's right. Uh, AJ with a little preview of the draft for us. Uh, he also noticed that Browns cornerback Denzel Ward just agreed to a four-year, $100.5 million contract. But he he was like, hey, I just got to keep working. You know, I'm not going to worry about that. Just let me get to that time, and, uh, you know, that'll be uh, fine. But he liked, he's like, yeah, he was happy about the big number he put out there. But, you know, not, you know, he's talking about it in a real business-like sense. So good for him. AJ is one of the... Uh, rising stars in the league, and we'll see how far he can take it. We're going to hear from 
Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot. Each team is uh, mandated to do a pre-draft presser where they try not to say too much, but sometimes they slip up and shine some light on some of the things. Hopefully, you know, we can get them off their mark and they can discuss some of the roster moves, at least heading into the draft, some of their philosophies on taking calls. Generally, if you're going to be dealing, you kind of got the framework of the deal done before you get into the draft. I think he's got to be happy to uh, have his guy Ryan Pace here with them, Terry Fontenot, I mean. You know, they worked together for many years in New Orleans, former Bears general manager. And, you know, I'm going to ask them about evaluating quarterbacks because they've all had some pass with it. You know, Arthur Smith was in Tennessee when they drafted Jake Locker. I asked him about it at the owners meeting. He didn't want to talk about it. I'm going to ask him again. They also drafted Mariota there. They also benched Mariota and got Tannehill. So he's been through the quarterback storm before, and he's getting ready to go through another one. And Terry was in New Orleans when they won the Drew Brees Derby. So they they were smooth sailing for, for most of that. And then Pace, you know, he's in Chicago, and they picked Mitch Trubisky over Holmes and Watson. So, I mean, you know, they've all got history on, on getting the – and then I can get into the old scouts, you know, too, Rustin Webster and – Phil Emery, you know, he's been in Green Bay where, you know, Ron Wolf had a different strategy on how to draft quarterbacks and so forth. So they've all got to kind of come up with, hey, how does this franchise move forward given the history of drafting quarterbacks? And I was listening to uh, Pat Kerwin and Jim Miller today. It's like, hey, if you do the, the math, you got going back to Tom Brady, you got 11% chance of drafting a guy that's going to you're going to draft him in whatever round, and he's going to be your starting quarterback of the future. So folks might have took Matt Ryan for granted and drafting him in 2008 over Joe Flacco and Chad Henney, but they picked the right guy. So now it's on um, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith to pick the right guy, and they might not pick him this year. And then if that's the case, fine. Do a Ryan Tannehill, resurrect this kid's career. Ask him to do things he can do and try to win it that way. And that's kind of where we're at heading into the draft. We'll have a whole list of questions. I don't know how long they're going to be available. But, uh, yeah, we hope to cover a lot of ground with the Falcons coach and general manager next Tuesday at 3.30 p.m. And we'll be uh, posting stories from that. And we'll have some audio for you here on the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. So with that... This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution signing off. Take care and have a great rest of your week. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.